0: Hey, this is Mike and Tom from Ballpark Bros.
1: You're listening to another great show on the Four-Eyed Radio Check us all out on foureyedradio.com.
0: Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in
1: three, two, one. Enjoy the ride. Hello, and welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where we escape. Into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 70 and is being recorded on May 19th, 2017. Today's topic: Discovering Discovery. I'm Aaron Gallo.
0: And I'm Eric Dewey. This
1: episode is sponsored by Revenge Lover. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit RevengeLover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off your order. Hey, Eric. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Not bad. Uh, It's been a while since we've spoken.
0: Yeah, yeah. The last time we uh, did an episode was was a while ago, although it was uh, released recently, so.
1: Right, so for our listeners, uh, it wasn't that long ago. But for us, it was back in November.
0: (laughs) uh, Before the busy holiday season.
1: Indeed. So what have you been doing to keep busy these last couple of months?
0: Well, mostly work, of course, uh, but I have been uh, getting back into the... uh, the podcasting somewhat again. I've done a couple of episodes of uh, Socially Awkward and uh, got a new podcast out now called Cast. Anybody out there who is into the works of Michael Crichton, my co-host and I sit down and we discuss the novel by Michael Crichton and the television or movie or both adaptation of said novel. We've been going fairly chronologically. Uh, our next episode to record is on the Congo, but we've done several so far. So if you're into the works of Michael Crichton at all, highly encourage you to go to CrichtonCast.com and check that out.
1: I'm not particularly a fan of reading books <laughs> myself. but We uh, also
0: discussed the, uh, the audiobook options. That's what I've been doing to prepare for the most part is I will read the book in its print form, usually e-reader form, whatever. Okay. Then I will watch the movie or film, you know, the, the adaptations that have been made. I say that because the first one we did was Andromeda Strain, which has both a movie and a television miniseries adaptation that we discussed, all three forms. But then we also, I also listened to the audiobook. So I basically read the book a second in time uh, via audiobook format, and that's where I really start to pick up all the little differences between the book and the movie, and that's what we end up discussing, so... If you're not uh, if you don't have time to sit and read, audiobook is a, a very good way to get that information consumed without uh, necessarily just sitting and reading.
1: Right. And for myself these last couple of months I've also been busy with work. I went overseas for a couple of weeks. Oh yeah. It's always fun to get out of the country. We always do cruises. So, uh I highly recommend it.
0: That's something I've never done. Both the cruise and the leaving the country, I've never actually been out of the states myself.
1: Oh, but I, I thought you were Canadian.
0: <laughs> I am a Canadian by <laughs> by birthright. Is what it, <laughs> wow. uh, my my mother was born in Canada. Oh, okay, uh, but I have actually never been.
1: <laughs> I see. I recommend it. Cruises are are very cool. It's like your hotel is traveling to the places you know uh, to the different ports convenient um you get to see new places every day uh new countries every day
0: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely want to uh, one of these days we've talked about possibly doing one of the disney cruises to take with our daughter and, and she would probably enjoy that a whole lot and i hear they're uh high quality when it comes to cruises
1: marty hogan who has been a host on this podcast uh, I think he has done a Disney cruise. Oh, right on. Yeah, and Star Trek actually has a Star Trek-branded cruise Ooh. setting sail next year, I believe, and uh, it has various Star Trek-themed events going on and actors. Uh, I believe George Takei will be there. Right on. Um, and <clears throat> uh, several others.
0: Is run by creation? <laughs>
1: No, it's uh, okay. it's a company that uh, that does these types of themed cruises.
0: Okay, so they, they know what they're doing when it comes to cruises, and then they're just kind of putting a, a Star Trek skin on it. Right. Okay. Yeah. That I could get down with. I was worried that uh, Creation had a hand in it, and I'm like, I don't know about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I've been to one Star Trek convention... In Boston, and it was obviously handled by by them. And mm-hmm. it, I don't know if conventions if from from like that experience, um, I'm not down with.
0: I would highly recommend checking out like a more traditional Comic Con or something like that, mm-hmm. as opposed to the specifically Star Trek conventions, okay. only because the way they're the way they're they used to be. I went to one way back in the day. I mean, way back in the day. Let's I was, I want to say, 11 or 12 myself, which puts it 26 years ago. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a while back, and that was right. before it was so big. And now it's like this huge, huge thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it costs so much, and you don't really get as, as good an experience. I remember when I went, uh, we had – who did we have there? Brent Spiner was there. Marina Sirtis was there. Um, Michael Dorn was there, and um, somebody else, Somebody was there from from the original series as well. And I can't for the life of me think of who it was now because at that time I had not even watched any of the original series yet, so that didn't okay. that part didn't matter to me as as an eleven year old kid. I would, had only watched Next Gen, right. uh, You know, watching it live on TV with my mom, <laughs> so. <laughs> That's all I knew. That's cool. I I love Comic-Cons. I've gone to Phoenix Comic-Con every year since 2012. I'm going back this year, even though it's a trip across the country for me. I'm going back uh, this year for it. They're a blast. They can be overwhelming. If you're not a fan of big crowds, they can be really overwhelming. But it's a big crowd of people who mostly like the same stuff as you. So it's not just a random big crowd. It's a big crowd of, you know, for me, it's, you know, I go to Comic-Con, and it's like I'm surrounded by people who who dig the same type of stuff I dig. Even if it's not exactly the same, you know, there might be a whole bunch of Supernatural fans, and I'm like, mm, you know, I can take it or leave it. A whole bunch of homestruck fans, which evidently is an anime, I'm told. But it's cool, you know, it's like, hey, you guys do you, I'm going to go over here and go to this Star Trek panel instead. And right. in fact, uh, I've done several panels at Phoenix Comic-Con including a couple of Star Trek themed panels um, that were just a, a huge blast to do to, to sit in front of a room full of people and talk Star Trek. It's just uh, amazing. And then when you go and you're you know viewing one of these panels, you, you're going in and you're sitting down and listening to uber fans talk about the thing they love whether it's star trek or one of the other themes and it's very much like listening to a podcast on the subject because you're you're listening to somebody who's really into it talk about a thing and you can feel their passion along with you and it's it's fantastic right so i definitely uh highly recommend checking one out if you can get to to one i would start with uh maybe a smaller one if you can find a more like a local convention one of these one or two day conventions somewhere near you that you can go check out. Um, I was hoping to to go up to Monroe Comic Con up in Monroe, Michigan uh, close to fairly close to me but I wasn't able to make it. I happened to be working the one day that the convention was being held, of course. Um, of course. But uh, they have stuff like uh, Motor City Comic Con is actually happening this weekend in Detroit. There's there's conventions all over the country, all throughout the year. So I, I'd say find one of those and, and check it out. You might uh, find it to be a better experience, even if it's not focused on the one thing that you're the biggest fan of. Mm -hmm. You'll probably still find content that you're interested in either way.
1: Cool. I'll definitely have to check it out. I have friends that go to the Boston Comic-Con every year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I I know someone who gets a table every year and sells her drawings, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, Artist Alley is always a fun place to be at Comic-Con because you will find just a ton of amazing artists, and some of the stuff they do is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, my my little podcasting studio down here is filled with stuff that I've gotten from various artists in the the Phoenix area, from Phoenix Comic-Con, so… Yeah, you'll find some some really cool stuff uh, down in Artist Alley, whether it be just drawings, prints, a lot of physical stuff, too. People do, like, the those little plastic beads. You know what I'm talking about, that you, that you like, melt with an iron?
1: Oh, yeah. You
0: know what I'm yep. talking about? Yeah. There are some people who do some amazing stuff with those and make these, like, 8-bit art pieces with these little uh, perler beads, I think is what they're called.
1: Okay.
0: Um there's those things that people crochet stuff. There's chainmail stuff. I mean, just anything you can think of done in any format you can think of. Yeah, an artist alley at a comic con is a sight to behold.
1: Cool. Yeah, we'll definitely have to check it out. But for now, let's move on to the news because we have a lot to get to yes. with uh, the recent Star Trek Discovery trailer that was released. So, Indeed. let's start with this first bullet here. Chris Pine hosted Saturday Night Live on May 6 and performed a Star Trek skit. The premise of the skit was an unaired episode from season three of the original series, titled "Spock's Secret," <laughs> in which Spock's half brother Spocko arrives to save the day.
0: Spocko, eh?
1: Yeah, Spocko. Obviously, this was filmed before Star Trek Five. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um I did not get a chance to uh, to watch this yet I, I it was one of those things like I knew it existed and I kept seeing it like pop up on my Twitter feed, and I'm like, oh, you know what I'm gonna watch that when I'm at home and can watch it on a bigger screen instead of just watching it on my phone and I just never I, I just never got to it. So I have yeah. yet to see this get I did see Chris Pine's uh, opening he did a he did a little song and dance number to try and uh, you know help people who cannot differentiate between himself uh, Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, and Chris Evans. Um, and that was, was pretty funny. So I, I'm going to have to check out the rest of the episode at some point, including, obviously, Spock's secret.
1: <laughs> I'm going to admit it's corny. There are some what funny moments miss? in it. The uniforms are spot on. The bridge, however, is not, which is unfortunate, because during the 70s they like made an awesomely accurate bridge for their uh star trek
0: skits yeah you wonder why it would be that hard to recreate what essentially was uh, was a cardboard set to begin with it's like this isn't exactly the hardest set in the world to recreate i could understand if they were doing a tng or a voyager or anything past that that this that the set would be harder to Mm -hmm. to recreate
1: right
0: but a tos set should not be that hard for a professional team of set builders (laughs) to to accomplish.
1: Yeah, alas. uh, It was still funny. I recommend it. The link to the skit is in the show notes if you guys want to take a look. Uh, So next up here, Fox announced a Seth MacFarlane space comedy called The Orville. The series is a Galaxy-esque show and uh, could be considered a parody of Star Trek.
0: Yeah, it looks, uh, I I just watched the trailer recently. Um, I had heard about it, oddly enough, I'd actually heard about the existence of the show several months back uh, through a random post on Reddit in the What Is This Thing subreddit. I don't know if you've ever checked that out. Uh, the What Is This Thing subreddit is fantastic. People post pictures of random things they found, uh, whether it be in their house or in their attic or you know at an estate sale or whatever. whatever. They find these things and they post them and people tell them what it is. And it's, it's amazing sometimes because you see something and it's like no clue whatsoever. And then you open up the link and… You know, five minutes after it had been posted, somebody not only identified it but showed a link to exactly where you could buy one just like it in new condition or something like that. Oh wow uh, somebody had posted somebody had been driving down the road and they had seen a there had been a truck going by carrying something big on the big flatbed, and there had been a tarp over it, I think, but the tarp had come loose on one side and it had mm-hmm. shown the side of what looked like a uh, a spaceship, a Star Trek esque uh, spaceship, basically, and part of the registration number was was visible on it, and somebody had snapped a picture and posted on what is this thing? And uh, you know, it's like, is this is this from a new Star Trek movie? Is this from Discovery? What you know, what is this from? And somebody was able to identify. I'm like, nope, that most likely is from this Seth MacFarlane based parody type Star show that's going to be coming out sometime in the near future. Like. That's where – like somebody was able to identify that that's where this is from just based on a few small articles that had talked about this maybe being an upcoming thing sometime in the near future. And that's actually where I first heard about this, and I was like, wow, all right then.
1: Cool. That's, uh, that's pretty random uh, but awesome at the same time.
0: It also uh, makes me excited to think that they are going to be using some practical graphics in this show. The fact yeah. that they had this fairly large model of the ship, or I'm assuming the Orville, that is that is going to be used for the show. The fact that they had this relatively large piece that is the uh, the, the model for the ship makes me think we're going to get some, some pretty decent practical graphics out of this, not just CGI everything.
1: Right. I uh, saw some tweets from uh, Seth once this came out, and one of the things they talked about was having practical models as well as the CGI. So that's pretty cool. Star Trek has gotten away from the practical models, uh, starting with um, they started to do it a little bit in Star Trek Voyager. Uh, then towards the end, everything was was uh, CGI. And uh, to you know the current iterations of Star Trek,
0: movies and TV shows will always go for what's cheapest first, and what looks good second, unfortunately. And, you know, back in the day, uh, computer graphics were ridiculously expensive, so you you used them very sparingly. You only, you only used them when you had to, when you couldn't do something physically. Now, computer graphics are so cheap, it's like, well, it's you can you know, create an entire 30-minute episode of something in the computer for cheaper than it would take to build one model. So, I can see why they do it. It's unfortunate because a lot of times those computer graphics just don't hold up as well as you think they're going to. I just recently rewatched I was feeling a little masochistic the other day and I decided to rewatch the Star Wars prequels.
1: Oh, okay.
0: I had not seen any of them since Revenge of the Sith was out in theaters. Mm. I had not rewatched them since then.
1: Yeah, that was and, some time oh my ago. Gosh,
0: Oh, my gosh, those graphics do not hold up. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, oh, those movies are just so bad. <laughs> I'm so glad that we got new people at the helm and these new movies have been so fantastic because, man, those were bad movies.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, you you can't, you know, win them all, I guess, especially Star Wars. Why are we talking about Star Wars on a Star Trek podcast?
0: <laughs> I'm uh, I, I'm well known for being sci-fi by... I, I will admit, <laughs> I am a fan of both the Trek and the Wars uh, when it comes to, to the Star uh, systems there. But, right. uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, practical graphics can be fantastic. Back on track.
1: So. <laughs> uh, so next up is something we talked about in the last episode. In the last episode, it was in the Would You Buy It section of the show. This time it's in the news. Uh, these Star Trek Green Lantern Volume Two Number Six was released on May tenth. So there's there's more than one of these apparently.
0: <laughs> Star Trek Green Lantern crossover evidently very popular. I'm on board with a good crossover, even if they don't make sense in theory. <laughs> right. you know, even if you look at it on the, on its face and say, well, that just doesn't make sense. I'm still willing to give it a chance because I've known so many good stories to have been told with inexplicable characters, basically. So I'm always willing to give them a chance and see how they treat it. It's one of those things, a lot of times when you get crossovers like this, you'll get one side or the other claiming that they got the short end of the stick. You'll have Star Trek fans saying, they didn't include enough Star Trek in it. It was all Green Lantern with a couple of Star Trek characters. Or you'll have... Green Lantern fans saying the opposite. It was just a Star Trek book. The Green Lantern showed up for a scene. Well, you know, sometimes you run that risk. Right. But it's a good story that's being told. I'm all for it. I'm all for good storytelling, regardless of the format, whether it's a book, a movie, a comic book, a video game, whatever it is. If you tell me a good story, I'll give it a chance. Yeah. Have you read any of these Uh, particular
1: crossovers (laughs) no no i'm not uh personally i'm not that big of a comic book fan although i do own several star trek comics
0: did you see the uh next gen mirror universe comic that was being given out for free comic book day this year
1: i did and i was working that day Unfortunately, it was a so,
0: Saturday. So was I. I missed Free Comic Book Day for the first time in like four years because yeah. I was also working, and that made me very sad. Um, and so I didn't get I didn't get my hands on one of these either. Unfortunately, um, I did want to check it out because the cover looked amazing. Picard with a sleeveless uniform, just <laughs> ripped, just absolutely mm-hmm. ripped. And the outfit they had, Mirror Troy in, was straight out of my junior high dreams. So (laughs) Uh, uh, if anybody out there, I would love to hear from you if you managed to get your hands on this book and have read it. And I would love to know what you thought of the story. Let us know. We we have several uh, available options for you to get a hold of us on the the Twitter, on the Facebooks, on the uh, mm -hmm. the internets in, in general. Let us know.
1: We know in in the TV show, the Mirror Universe is, uh, you know, the Terrans no longer rule. But it's cool to have this alternate Mirror Universe where the Terran Empire is still thriving.
0: It's really, I, I think it's cool because we didn't see the Mirror Universe in TNG. Mm-hmm. And so to put those characters and see what, what these guys were doing in the Mirror Universe. Because I felt it was... I love the mirror universe episodes to a point. Mm-hmm. I felt it was way overused in Deep Space Nine.
1: I thought they are going
0: back to the mirror universe too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, we didn't get it at all in Next Gen. So I'm like, okay, well, just, I guess they're making up for lost time. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I like just a little, a little sprinkle of mirror universe in my Trek. Just a little, a little dash. You know, it's a little seasoning.
1: Right, I think a majority of them were before the Dominion War started. At least the first one was before the Dominion War, so they uh, were still kind of feeling their way through, like the first couple of seasons.
0: Yeah, they were still doing. They were still kind of sticking to a more episodic nature, as opposed to the the overreaching story arc that they eventually went to, which I absolutely love. Right. I love I love Trek both ways. Like I love the episodic nature of Next Gen, the fact that I can go and pull up any random episode from any season, basically. And with the exception of a few two-parters here and there, I get a complete story out of that one episode, mm-hmm. no matter what. Right. Um, yeah, I may want to keep watching and watch a few more episodes because that's what happens. But that doesn't mean that I have to watch these particular episodes in a row in order to get this storyline. I can just watch one episode but i also like deep space 9 in the later seasons when you have to you get the whole story via the whole season mm-hmm. um I, like i said i i like it both ways and i think both ways can be useful i know tv more more recently has definitely gone to the more arc nature you know especially with these these shows that are on the streaming services where you know you're going to be able to watch all of them you mm-hmm. know right and you can tell your story or however long it takes you to tell your story and just break it up into mm-hmm. episodes. You don't have to have an independent story necessarily in each episode because people aren't necessarily watching them that way. Right. So I'm interested to see – to kind of bring it back to the topic that we're eventually going to be talking about. I'm interested to see how they're going to handle this with Discovery uh-huh. because we do have that nature of a, it being on a streaming service to where they could do it as a, as a full arc – where no one episode is an independent story, but they are also doing a weekly release on it. They're not doing like Netflix does and just dump in the whole season all at once and saying, here you go. Right. They're doing a weekly release. So you are going to get one episode, then have to wait a week before you get another episode. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, I definitely want a story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want a story in that episode if I'm not getting more if for another yeah. week. So it, it's going to be curious how they do that. I know they've got some some leeway,
1: right? And uh, although it's not one of my news points on here, after episode of Star Trek Discovery, there's another show. Uh, I think it's called Talking Trek. So it's it's kind of like that Walking Dead post show. Okay, where they'll be discussing it, which is is cool. Hopefully, we'll be able to learn
0: a little behind um, the scenes stuff. Yeah. We get some stuff from the actors and and whatnot, which could be interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely. And coming back into Discovery here now, since November, there have been several cast announcements for Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. But one of the most interesting cast an- announcements that I I heard, and I'm sure everyone else has heard as well, is that Rain Wilson will be playing Harry Mudd.
0: I've got I've got mixed feelings on this, and not about the casting itself. The casting, I think, is fantastic. If you're going to cast Harry Mudd right now, I think Rain Wilson is a great choice. He's a great actor. I absolutely loved him in The Office. His character, Dwight, is is fantastic. I also saw him on Six Feet Under. He played a completely different character and did it very, very well. So I know he's, he's versatile enough to, to do whatever they give him. But I think he's a, a good choice for the Harry Mudd character. The mixed feelings I have is why do we need Harry Mudd in this? I'm I'm worried that we're going to the fact that they're already announcing this. How much more are they going to retread? You know, Mm. I want new stories. I'm fine with it using the existing universe. I'm fine with them mentioning other things going on that we already know about from the existing series and movies. You know, that's that's all fine and well and good. I'm worried about another into darkness is What I'm worried about, you know, it's like, oh, we well,
1: I, don't, I hope we don't have any of that <laughs> happening.
0: Like we, we already had Wrath of Khan, we did not need Into Darkness to be a rehash of it, and then right. you know, we already have the original series, we don't need Discovery to just be a rehash of the original series. Um, so I'm hoping that they use these characters well and that mm-hmm. it's a unique story that we're getting. There are a couple of things. That uh, that worry me in that respect, but also a couple of things that give me some good hope in that respect. So, okay, we'll we'll talk about that when we start dissecting the trailer a little bit <clears throat> as well. But uh, sure. as far as the casting goes, I, I like the choice of actor for the character. Not sure if I like the choice of character for the show.
1: Gotcha. I'm optimistic. Um, it'll be interesting to see maybe Harry at prime because he was wanted by by the Federation. So maybe at this point in time, he's not wanted, or uh, maybe we'll see why he becomes wanted.: yeah,
0: maybe we find out why he's wanted. yes. yeah.
1: So, so I think that would be interesting. Uh, and finally, rounding out the news here. Star Trek Discovery is on course for the fall premiere, and probably the most exciting news about this uh, it's been extended from 13 episodes to 15 episodes for the first season.
0: That is interesting, and I'm wondering if that has to do with the, I get like I said with the with a full story arc, mm-hmm. if they just found that they had, you know, <clears throat> hey we need more than 15 hours to 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 tell this story, and since they they haven't been given a firm this is something that I found interesting as well, they have not been given a firm this is how many minutes each episode has to be, they've been given kind of an over under mark they're like okay you have to fill at least this much time. And don't go over this much time. I don't know what those numbers are, but right. that's what they've been given as far as, as long as if it falls between here. So it's, again, much more like these shows from Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime where they're given leeway to tell the story how they feel it needs to be told without constriction of a specific time frame. And I right. love that because that means if your story fits into a smaller episode, great. If you need an hour and a half to tell your story, great. Do what you need to do to tell me the story the way that the the, the director and the writers want to tell it, and I mm-hmm. will stay tuned. You know, right. um, When you have these specific episode constraints, what you end up with is things being shortened and cut that are necessary that you, you, you wonder, well, why did they cut that? That's great. Well, they probably cut it for time. Or right. you end up with filler. You end up with just unnecessary exposition, unnecessary just – you know, hey, we're going to show you this planet for yeah, about three minutes—just um, an exterior shot of this planet because uh, we didn't hit our runtime. So, here's a planet. <laughs> right. Look at it. Right. Look at it. <laughs> uh, so, so I—that I, I, they're not on a tight requirement as far as that mm-hmm.
1: goes. I feel as though the premiere episode may be. On that kind of restriction, only because the first episode's going to be aired on CBS, uh, the television station.
0: Yes. I I think most likely what we're going to see, because they have announced that it's it's a two-part premiere as well. So they're giving them two episodes, essentially, to do it. So I'm hoping what we get is filler and not cut stuff. To, to fill those two, two those two episodes and give us uh, the the full story that they intend to tell. But right. I think that they probably still have a little bit of leeway because of the way they're marketing it that, you know what, hey, if you go a little bit over, that's fine. We'll cut a few commercial breaks or, or whatever we need to do because ultimately what they're doing is they're trying to sell all access. Right. This This show is all about selling all access to people. So I have a feeling we're going to see limited commercials – in the actual pilot, with the exception of ads for All Access. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's my, uh, my guess right now, is that we're going to be seeing very limited commercial interruptions on these first two episodes that are broadcast on CBS, mm-hmm. except for you know All Access stuff. Sounds
1: uh, reasonable to me. Uh, another option could be they might have an edited version of this two-hour pilot, and then an unedited version on All Access.
0: That's also a very good possibility because it is going to be released on All Access pretty much immediately after it airs. Um, if you're not in the United States, almost every country that has Netflix besides the United States will be getting it. Uh, yeah, yeah, United States and Canada. Because Canada, they've got a contract with somebody else altogether. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're in the U.S., you'll need CBS All Access to see anything past the premiere. You know, well, to see it legally beyond the premiere. Um, right. If you're in Canada, I think it's... Um, they're going to be airing it on a channel called Space or Science or – uh, I know it's a one-word name that – is it yeah. just science?
1: Uh, it might be sci- – uh, I think it's Sky, but I'm not 100% on that.
0: I know I know it's like a one-word, space or science or something. <laughs> it's right. something It's something along those lines. Um, right. It's basically their kind of sci-fi network type of situation. Um, but then like every other country in the world is just going to get it on Netflix. But unlike Netflix shows where they just drop the entire season all at once, it is going to still be restricted on a week-by-week basis. They're going to put up the new episode each week. And I think it comes up like 24 to 48 hours or something like that after it's uh, released on CBS All Access. Or... I know it's not exactly the same time. It, like, it takes them a day or two to get it to Netflix for these other countries. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. I've already got my CBS All Access. Um, you know, I got it got it in preparation, and because there's other stuff on there that you know, it actually is a, a pretty good deal for everything that they offer. And the fact that their their contracts with Hulu and uh, Netflix are going to be running out, so the stuff that you can find right now from CBS on Hulu and Netflix is not going to be there forever. There's certain things like part of the whole deal with Netflix was that they got the entire Star Trek catalog. That's not going away anytime soon. But other things, you know, if you watch these other CBS shows that right now a lot of people watch on Hulu, they're not going to be around there once that contract expires because they're going to be transitioning over to all access only.
1: I plan on getting all access, obviously. I won't be able to do this podcast if I didn't get all access, I think. <laughs> uh, at least not. I won't be able to do it well, but I'm going to wait. So
0: I was okay with jumping the gun because I've uh, we we cut the cord, so to speak, with cable uh, uh, a long time ago. Yeah, we've been internet only for for a few years now. And even with all the various streaming services we pay for, we currently have uh, Netflix, Hulu, uh, Amazon Prime with the stars, Cinemax, and Showtime add-ons. Wow uh, okay. the HBO. And I've got the uh, CBS All Access. Um, am I missing anything? I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, okay. Oh, and I've got the MLB TV for my- Oh wow! All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> got to watch my Diamondbacks games. That's the only live sport I care about. So thankfully, that's one thing. I talk to people who want to cut the cord all the time. They're like, "What about sports?" I'm like, "Man, well, uh, you know, th- everything has their little packages." But if you uh-huh. like a home team, you're hosed because there's blackouts. Like if I right. still lived in Arizona, MLB.TV would do nothing for me because all of the Diamondbacks games would be blacked out. I
1: yeah. wouldn't be
0: able to watch them on MLB.TV I would have to, unless I had a cable provider log in to, to unlock them. Right. But because I live in Ohio, I only have to worry about when they play Detroit, Cleveland, or Cincinnati, which doesn't happen too many times throughout the year, so I'm good.
1: <laughs> huh. Well, there you go.
0: But yeah but even with all of that we're still paying less than half of what we used to pay for cable
1: jeez dude
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's why we that's why it's like okay yeah it's an extra six bucks a month or whatever for this additional service but that's compared to you know we were paying at one point like oh, i think it was like 175 150 to 175 or something like that for cable yeah. with, the, with the you know we had the dvr and the hbo package and whatever but yeah it was ridiculous and yeah not nearly as uh, freedom, as full of freedom as the streaming services. I mean, I've got all the apps on my phone. I can watch anything I want on my phone or on my tablet or on my laptop, or I've got a TV that has Roku built in, so I can watch uh-huh. everything on that. Nice. I mean, we literally don't even have a DVD player attached to our TV, mm-hmm. or a DVD, Blu-ray, anything, because everything is on streaming. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a friend of ours has uh, Vudu, Yep. And he, he buys a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays, and almost all of them now come with digital copies mm-hmm. that he can load into his Vudu, which he's shared with us. So anything he buys, I can watch. Nice. <laughs> it's, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there, there are options out there. I mean, for some people, cutting the cord just isn't an option. But uh, unless you're big into a lot of different sports, I would highly recommend it for most people.
1: So, so we're talking about money. Why don't we talk about, uh, would you buy it?
0: Would you buy
1: it? Um, so before we disclose what this is, Eric, would you ever purchase this?
0: In the version in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Uh,
0: definitely not the version with the, in the show notes, and, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of reasons why we, after we reveal it. But two major reasons are the, the price and the source.
1: Oh, Okay.
0: Not the the item itself is pretty cool. Uh-huh. And I wouldn't mind having something like it. Okay. But the the one specifically in the show notes, uh no, I would not buy.
1: I see. I agree. This item's too pricey and doesn't quite fit my uh my fandom requirements, I guess. And what we're talking about is the Star Trek the next generation Catan. I want to say that's what's called probe pendant. Uh, so the probe from uh, Inner
0: Light. Absolutely fantastic episode. Really, really showcased Patrick Stewart's ability to act. Just a just a phenomenal episode. One of those ones that you can go back to time and again and rewatch it and and get something out of it every time.
1: I disagree. But that's oh,
0: okay. <laughs> I'm not fan of the Inner
1: Light. I am not a fan of The Inner Light. It might. Next episode topic. (laughs) Of The Inner Light. I feel like I didn't like this episode because, one, I saw it when I was. I don't know. I was pretty young. I was in elementary school still. And I just didn't appreciate the episode. Uh, I think it was just too slow for me.
0: It definitely was not your typical star trek episode especially not a typical next generation episode it Mm -hmm. was a break from their their normal but again like like i was telling i think it told a good story yeah and ultimately that's what it comes down to for me is storytelling and i i felt it, it told a really good story um yeah but yeah i would definitely love to uh to sit down and just break apart that episode with you from uh differing viewpoints one of these days so it's something to keep on the back burner for a future episode
1: oh yeah definitely uh Except for the fact that I would have to rewatch the episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you might get uh, something out of it that you didn't before. You never know.
1: Uh, that's true. That's true. Um, so, this uh, product is available on ThinkGeek and it's uh, selling for $89.99. Officially licensed by Paramount or actually CBS at this point. Uh, next generation collectible, hand polished pendant, aged uh, to dark. Patina? <laughs> patina? I don't know.
0: I patina, I want to say, but... Patina.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it means
0: it, it's made to look as though it's, it's old bronze, when in right. fact it's brand new bronze that's been aged. <laughs>
1: right. It comes with a 24-inch uh, sterling silver ball chain, a certificate of authenticity from Roddenberry Entertainment, and the mm-hmm. box is suitable for gifting, and it's styled with a nod to the episode's Ruskin Flute Box.
0: Now that flute, if they made a decent replica of that that didn't cost like $300, I would be all over that. Um, but like I said, my, my biggest problems with this are not the item itself, because the probe is actually a cool-looking probe. Um, mm-hmm. It was a cool-looking probe in the episode, and it, it remains a cool-looking uh just a cool-looking thing, right. um, and the uh, the idea of it being a pendant is uh, really cool because in the episode, there you know his 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 wife in the episode was wearing this pendant basically. So it's not just a replica of the probe; it's actually a replica of the necklace that his 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 wife in the dream state, I guess whatever you want to call it, is wearing. Right. So it's kind of almost a prop replica in and of itself. My problems with it are the $90 price tag yeah. for a bronze pendant. That's, you know, for $90, bucks, i am going to want something better than bronze as, as the metal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Even with a silver chain, it's, like, it's still just, just a silver chain. Um, that's not really worth all that much. And I don't know. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people out there love ThinkGeek, and they have really cool stuff. But everything I've ever bought from ThinkGeek has fallen apart on me so quickly. Uh, I've not had good experiences with Think Geek products, um, and I don't know if it's just the stuff that, like, I know they source it out to different things, so mm-hmm. your yep. mileage may vary. You might, you know, certain things might come from a, a different source that's good. I've had um, my roommate actually got a set of their Planet glasses. Oh, I don't big know. mistake! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these things were garbage. I mean, literally, they the thinnest glass you've ever seen in a glass I mean I literally have a 96 cent wine glass from Walmart that is thicker glass than these things and the the design on them is it's basically like a sticker on the glass it's not even right. like it's not printed into the glass it's not right. etched it's not it's one of them is even the the sun one is like a little off center so you can see oh, where this wow. it's, it's these things just 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 poop is what they are um and then i've I've had some other stuff from that i got some stuff for my daughter some uh doctor who stuff that she was really into and it all none of it lasted none of it lasted at all um the only thing i've ever had from a think geek that has lasted me at all is my next generation hoodie okay Uh, my my mom one year for christmas bought us all next-gen hoodies and i still have mine it's still going strong so that one thing but i've had so many bad experiences that i i just can't bring myself to shop there anymore
1: Mm. well have you uh, i don't know if in ohio they have physical stores but they've been uh, popping up since gamestop purchased them Near, uh, fairly close to me, there there's one, and I've gone in, and you know you can since you're there, you can actually like look at the
0: products and check it out before you bet. Now I would be willing to check out a Think Geek store. I know we don't have any here in uh, Adjective Toledo, where I live, but um, there might be, you know, if I go to Columbus or Cincinnati, they might have one there, and those are, you know. Just a couple hour drive away, both of those from me um, they might even I wonder if they have one in Detroit I'm actually closer to to Detroit than I am to Cleveland or Cincinnati. It's only about a forty minute drive to Detroit so okay. if they've got one there uh, I might be able to, to check it out
1: yeah I, I recommend it uh, the one near me has uh, schedules events like kind of like nerdy events like um, they had a Doctor Who event um, where you know people, went dressed up as you know doctor who and did trivia there was that,
0: that i would stink at <laughs> they, I, I, i'm a casual fan of doctor who i enjoy it i will watch yeah. it mm-hmm. but then my daughter is a huge, huge whovian, as they say <laughs> yeah. and um she will start trying to ask me she's like well why did this happen in this episode on that i'm like <laughs> What? Right, right. <laughs> i'm like i first of all i barely remember that happening and second of all i don't know why it's a tv show calm down right now, if you want to deep you want to dive into an episode of star trek i'll tell you why exactly everything you uh-huh. know just level of fandom type stuff i like the show but i'm not a a super fan
1: right well they also have uh i don't know if it happened or is going to happen but they're having a Star Wars versus Star Trek uh, trivia night.
0: Ooh, those are always fun. Uh,
1: and they encourage you to dress up, and I, I think you get a like a discount, like maybe a, 20, a 10, 15, 20% discount if you're uh, dressed up.
0: Uh, oh, in, in so perfect. If only I still had my Data costume from elementary school. A, yeah which would totally fit me still right. um no because i would totally show up to something like that dressed in like full next-gen jumpsuit and a stormtrooper helmet
1: like that's how <laughs> just i would troll show, people
0: <laughs> just to show that hey i i love i love both i think both can exist coexist peacefully <laughs> right yeah that would that would, that would <laughs> <laughs> uh. i would definitely check something like that out because i i you know I assume is it a versus trivia like they're asking questions about both to the same group of people, or certain groups only get Star Trek questions and certain groups only get Star Wars questions? That that would be. I I want to know.
1: I think they're just uh, gonna ask questions, and whoever answers answers.
0: Oh, see, now now I feel like I could totally clean up in that environment because mm. you'd have the groups of people who are only Star Trek fans trying to get those questions and people who are only Star Wars fans getting those questions, and I'd be in there getting all the questions. So I'd be like, mm, give me the prize money now.
1: There you go. So <laughs> I I was talking to one of the employees there. I, was, I saw uh, the event, uh, a little mm. card that you know, was advertising it, and I, I said, right. hey um, – Do a lot of people come to these things and he was like no not really (laughs) really uh but if you come uh you know you have a good chance of cleaning up um i guess one of the events that they had uh, there was this one guy doing all these answers i think it might have been some kind of marvel trivia thing okay and uh you know he's getting all these cards getting like five dollar uh gift cards and then he had all these gift cards and then started to give a few to the kids that were there all right on um yeah so that that's cool um but if if you're listening to this and you've been to a think geek event in uh in braintree uh massachusetts or in uh any of the other uh think geek locations let us know how they were. Did you have fun at them? Would you recommend us go to one? Uh, I was kind of considering asking the store manager if they would let me like go in there and record during one of these trivia uh, events. Uh, I think it might be cool.
0: That would be awesome. And yeah. a lot of times stores are totally cool with stuff like that. I remember one of the shows on the network here, uh, Arcade Bros., they used to be able to, they used to go and do like the midnight release parties at mm-hmm. uh, at GameStops for different video games. And, uh, you know, they had a really good time with that. They set up a little table outside. They had uh, their microphones set up. They would, you know, people would be able to ask them questions while they were waiting in line and, you know, talk to them and stuff like that. Um, I think you could definitely set something like that up, some sort of, you know, way to, to record an episode or at least get some get some audio to, to put into an episode uh, right. from one of these events.
1: Right. Uh, yeah, That I think that would be cool. So why don't we jump into the topic of the show, uh, since we have a lot to go through in this uh, uh, about three minute trailer. Oh yeah. Um, uh, so a uh, little background here. So the topic is Star Trek Discovery, uh, breakdown of the trailer. Uh, so this happens, or Discovery takes place a about 20 years after uh, the USS Kelvin now in the prime timeline the Kelvin was not destroyed right. uh, presumably it's retired uh, by now in in the timeline and it's ten years before uh, Kirk takes command of the enterprise
0: yeah this is this is a combination of things that I think is going to confuse a lot of people who are more casual fans of the franchise. Because you have, you know, you're telling people this is not associated with the movies. This is in the quote unquote prime timeline, which most people aren't going to, what do you mean by that? But it looks very much like the new movies because obviously uh-huh. the Kelvin itself was technically a prime timeline ship. Right. You know, that ship existed in the prime timeline in the in the form that we in which we saw it. So you know because it obviously was there before Nemo ship, you know before all this stuff happened and created this alternate timeline that we're dealing with now. I don't. On the one hand, I, I have mixed feelings about this because I, on the one hand, I do like that it's not going along with the movies that we're we're exploring the current timeline and not or the the existing timeline from the other tv shows that right. we've that we've grown to know but on the other hand i liked the fact that the movies when they coincided with active movie, when, when movies coincided with active tv shows they existed together you know mm-hmm. i liked that i liked the fact that the old star trek movies and the you know you know for me it was the, always the next gen movies from from generations on it existed in harmony with the TV shows the, these stories existed simultaneously and they and it was fine and I think you're going to confuse some people people are getting used to it. I know because you, you know you have shows like um, c w has all these d c shows that are in no way correlated with the movies that are happening in the d c universe right so people are are getting used to this idea that the TV shows and the movies are completely separate, but for my money. I've always enjoyed Star Trek being one unified front when it came to the the media I was seeing, and so this is going to be interesting. Once again, I go back to my old thing, though. If you tell me a good story, I'm not going to care. Right. So ultimately that's what I'm hoping, but I, I think you are going to confuse and possibly alienate some of the casual fans by not having these tied in to the movies.
1: Right, and I agree. So it's it's really weird the dynamic of fans that are out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's people that you know have want nothing to do with the JJ verse. Mm-hmm. They just want you know their traditional Star Trek. And then you know you, you have people that see this and love it. They're like, oh, this is so awesome. And then you have people saying this isn't Star Trek. And it's just so confusing. <laughs> uh, like. I don't understand people. like It's Star Trek. Just accept it and let it embrace you.
0: I don't understand the the fan who complains about everything. And we see those in every fandom. And this is not in any way limited to Star Trek fandom in any way, shape, or form. Because this exists. I've seen it across so many different fandoms where any new thing, you have half the people love it, half the people hate it. And it's just, they don't want to just accept it. Like, it is. That's what it is. Like, just right. try to, to to take it in, acknowledge, you know, it's fine if you don't like it. If there's something specific about it you don't like, even I'm perfectly willing to discuss that. Right. If it's just a, this isn't what I know. Well, <laughs> no, because it's hopefully a new story. We right. don't want rehashes of the same old stories. That's, I definitely do not want that. I want new stories. And that's why I'm a little... I don't know, I'm very curious how you feel about this, about them making it yet another uh, prequel series, essentially, instead of going further into the future. There's a lot of sentiment that says, you know, yeah, if you go back, you can cash in on the sentimentality of people who are TOS fans and next-gen fans, and you're going back and back. But the further you go back, you either have to go way, way back, which is kind of what Enterprise tried to do. But even then, they still stepped on their own toes all over the place, and now you're going somewhere in between. You're going between Enterprise and TOS, and you know, so you've got even more toes that you can potentially step on here.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. If you just if you went way into the future, then you have completely open. You you can tell any story you want to. Right. And I I don't understand why they, you know, it's. Again, if they tell me a good story, I'm going to be totally okay with it. But I am curious as to why they chose this. And I'm not 100% on board with that being the choice. I mean, obviously, it is the choice. It's where they went with it. And I'm going to give it a chance. But I'm curious how you feel about them making it another prequel series as opposed to going forward.
1: Uh, Personally, I would have liked a post-Next Generation series. Uh, it makes the most sense to me. Um, and plus, I love, you know, that era in in Star Trek. And you could have actors from TNG, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager show up in those episodes, which, which would have been awesome.
0: Yeah, if you did 20, 30 years post-TNG, it would be perfect <laughs> because right. it literally is 20, 30 years post-TNG. Right. Um, Yeah, if you wanted to get that nostalgia factor, that would be super easy to pull from TNG and Voyager and even Deep Space Nine um, to to get that instead of having to pull from, you know, now you're going to have to pull from Enterprise um, and TOS Mm -hmm. for your nostalgia, which obviously they're doing with Harry Mudd and uh, we see Sarek and, you know, so... Yeah. um, Yeah, I, I agree. Post, you know, whether they did it just 20, 30 years... Post TNG, or whether they decided to jump 100 years post TNG, I would have been happy with either of those. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm unhappy. I'm just saying I'm trepidatious. <laughs> I would say going into this, I, I feel that we're we're treading into territory that we've already not done well in. You know, Enterprise wasn't a bad show, but it wasn't a great show, and I'm really hoping that this is a great show.
1: Yeah, if we were well, <laughs> ideally, if I was helming the next Star Trek series. I would have wanted to do the Romulan War mm-hmm. because it's the one thing Star Trek Enterprise was leading up to and then we never got it. So a series that dealt with the Romulan War, the ramifications of war, I think would have been would have been great. And then you could also tie in uh, Star Trek Beyond to that because the Franklin could have been in there somewhere, but yeah, you know, we have this sequel, of, sorry prequel, which I hope is successful. Um, I think most fans hope is successful because uh, if this flops, uh, we're definitely if... not going to see any Star Trek for a long, long time. Uh, if...
0: If you're hoping that this fails or if you're convinced that this is going to fail, I don't think you can really call yourself a fan. Uh, Really what you are is just a a doomsayer. You want to be the guy who can look back later and say, see, I told you, that's not not a fan. A fan hopes for the best. They might have questions. They might have misgivings about certain aspects. But ultimately, they're hoping to be proved wrong. Whereas uh, the, these naysayers are all hoping to be proved right. They want to say, it's going to stink, it's going to bomb, no, it's not going to do any good, and then they're going to be happy when that is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I definitely I have my concerns, but I will be happiest if my concerns are abated and end up for naught. <laughs> that would right. be the ultimate goal for me. I really want a good Star Trek series on TV, um, whether that be streaming TV or, or otherwise. I just want... I want more Star Trek in general. Yeah. Like, in any form I can get it. And so right. we're getting it. We're getting more Star Trek on TV. And stop complaining and just let's let's watch it. Let's give them a chance, guys.
1: <laughs> right. So why don't we jump in to the ship?
0: Yes, which, uh, if I recall correctly, we don't see the Discovery no. in this trailer.
1: Right, which is very odd
0: uh, that the... See the sh- Discovery in the... <laughs> teaser that we got a few months back. Yeah. But in this, we're not seeing the discovery yet.
1: Uh, No, we're seeing the USS Shenzhou. Yeah,
0: Shenzhou, Shenzhou, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, Chinese or read it, so.
1: (laughs) Right. So unlike most Federation ships that we've seen, the bridge is on the bottom of the saucer on this ship.
0: Which I think ties into the nacelle placement as well, because typically we see the the bridge on the top of the saucer, but we also see the nacelles placed above, you know, in perspective. I mean, again, it's a spaceship, so really it doesn't matter what's where it's going to be in any direction it wants to be when it gets into space. But for the purposes of uh, our own spatial orientation, in this case, the nacelles are positioned uh, below the saucer section almost like you would see the uh like it's akin to uh, one of those water those airplanes that land in water
1: mm-hmm. and they
0: have big pontoons landing gear yep. it's a similar to that as opposed to the traditional you know quote unquote enterprise model that we see with the nacelles positioned above the the location of the saucer section so maybe that's mm-hmm. where it's going with the the bridge goes with the nacelles whether they're up or down the bridge goes with the na- where the nacelles go.
1: Um, I, can, I can buy that. It's, it, someone might have flipped a ship over and be like, oh, that looks perfect. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, they, they made the design originally the other way, and then somebody's just like, wait a minute, wait a minute, just watch this. And they just turned it, and everyone's like, oh. <gasps> yeah.
1: I mean, there are some ships that we've seen in the 24th century, uh, specifically in Star Trek First Contact, uh, where we have ships that have the nacelles uh, underneath the ship. And yeah. also the uh, Nebula class starship has n- nacelles underneath.
0: And wasn't, uh, I want to say the, what was the Stargazer? The mm-hmm. Oh,
1: that Constellation?
0: Wasn't that? That's Constellation? Was it, it was Constellation class? Yeah. Oh, wasn't the nacelles like pretty much even with the saucer section?
1: Well I that ha- the uh Stargazer has um four nacelles. cells.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, they were on top, they were like okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I I was I was misremembering but I was like I thought that one was like almost parallel with the uh saucer section, but yeah, that's not not how I was remembering it. <laughs>
1: no. The uh I think maybe the steam runner uh from First Contact the Steam Runner class has uh, that kind of deal where we have uh, the uh, ram scoops kind of protruding through the, the primary hull and then the warp coils going towards the back, which is an interesting design as well. So, I mean, overall, um, this ship is built for atmospheric entry because in the trailer we see it, in the atmosphere coming through some yep. clouds what do you think about the design overall do you like it hate it so uh, i kind
0: of dig it I, I actually to be honest i kind of dig the design of the shenzhou a little bit better than the actual discovery that we've <laughs> uh-huh. that we've seen thus far right um I'm not a huge fan. Uh, like I totally understand why they're going with the design they're going with, um, or at least that we've been told they're going with you know, from previous teasers and such. But I actually, this one feels more Star Trek to me than that one does. That one seems a little bit more, I don't know, there's some something weird about the angles on it that just kind of throw me off. But this one right. really seems more... You y- traditional Star Trek to me. I really yeah. dig it. I do enjoy the ship um, as far as the you know you know entering the atmosphere and everything. I know we've seen other ships do that, and it's always interesting uh, when they do since these are obviously not ships that are designed for atmospheric use in most cases mm-hmm. so you wonder what kind of technology is you always want to know what kind of technologies is at play to make it possible because these are not aerodynamic ships you right. know, these are ships that are going to uh to actually generate lift on their own there's got to be some technology there to to keep it off the ground but overall yes i, I do like the design of the shenzhou
1: and i i wonder if uh the bridge placement Is because this ship is made to kind of, like, hover above, like, in the planet's atmosphere and kind of, like, scout around the planet.
0: It's Yeah, it's very possible. It could also be just a a choice of design based on where it was built. If this was a ship that was built in atmosphere... It would make more sense to have the the bridge downward where you'd be able to see the ground as you're leaving it and and, mm-hmm. and as you said, you know if it was like a land survey ship or, or something like that where it's designed to go into planets' atmospheres and survey the land of that planet you you'd probably want the bridge down there, especially since uh, you know we're seeing that the uh, <clears throat> we're kind of going with the you know, again with the, with the Kelvin design where the bridge screen is a window, right. not just a screen, as we've seen in, in other Star Trek designs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, has, it has augmented reality on it so that you can do different things with the computer as well, but ultimately it's a window. Right. So that makes more sense if your intended viewpoint is downward, whereas mm-hmm. it makes more sense for it to be on top when it's a ship that has been built in space. For space use, and it right. has never really been intended to go into an atmosphere. You know, as we see with most of the, you know, from the Enterprise onward, basically, these are all ships that have been built in space
1: mm-hmm. for
0: use in space. Right. Um, you know, discounting the Enterprise in the Kelvin timeline, which we saw being built on Earth, but um, for the most part, it's always been assumed that these were built at uh, Utopia Planitia, the, the shipyards, which are. Orbiting shipyards—they're not on the ground; they are in space. So, mm-hmm. it kind of—that—that's uh, where I think they were going with it—is like, where was this ship built? Was it built on the ground, or was it built in space? It makes mm-hmm. sense. That I think the ship was built on the ground.
1: Quite possible.
0: Um... The world may never know.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure they—they'll be some kind of backstory to it, and hopefully, it, it gets explained. So you mentioned the view screen is an actual window, which there are prime universe examples. Like you said, the Kelvin and the Franklin uh, both have windows as their view screen. Augmented reality on there uh, looks pretty cool. Some hologram type stuff. Um, What do you think of the bridge overall?
0: I I like it. Um, It definitely looks like a more utilitarian type of approach. As opposed to, you know, in, in the new Star Trek movies, we get a very high-tech, everything-is-a-screen type of, I don't know, I think the the analogy I always heard was an Apple store in space. Yeah. Um, but in the, the older shows, um, you know, especially like you look back to Next Gen, it looked like a very comfortable place. It was almost like a place where, you know, it was definitely built during peacetime. Yeah. You know, you look at that you look at that ship and you say this was a ship that was designed and built during peacetime. This is an exploration ship. This is a ship where people are expected to just be here and doing their jobs, but they have some relative comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, this looks much more utilitarian. It looks more like it was designed for a purpose. It's very reminiscent of submarine interior. Mm-hmm. It looks to me yeah. like the like the bridge of a submarine. Um, you know if you watch something like uh, hunt for october or crimson tide you see these these submarine bridges where um obviously the this is more open you got yeah. more space between the stations because you can afford to whereas on a submarine your everything is very very compact but ultimately it's very utilitarian the one thing i don't really dig is the captain's chair something about the angles on that captain's chair that just they, it what? makes me feel weird
1: <laughs> the um <laughs> The captain's chair is actually very similar to the Kelvin's chair. in uh, the bridge overall, uh, it's brighter than the Kelvin. Uh, the Kelvin was very dark, the interior. Uh, this is a little brighter. I don't know if, uh, you know, <laughs> as you get further and further in the timeline, if like they can afford to turn <laughs> on the lights, I don't yeah. know.
0: Like, hey, we realized this. We, we, you guys know we have an antimatter reactor back there. Uh-huh. It just makes so much power. You guys have no idea. Like, seriously, turn the lights on. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting, especially considering that they're you know con- that, that that this is supposed to be prime timeline. It makes it very uh-huh. hard to look at this and say, wait, they go from this to TOS. Yeah.
1: Right. 20 years
0: of supposed advancement (laughs) gets us from this to TOS. I I have to set some of that to the side and just (laughs) acknowledge uh that this is a show being made in 2017.
1: Right. Because I I don't don't
0: want a set that looks like TOS.
1: (laughs) I don't don't see any physical buttons, uh, but I mean, I don't, obviously, I'm not looking at any close ups of consoles. I just see a lot of screens. Which is cool. I mean, I still dig the design overall. The command chair, yeah, it's kind of bulky and boxy.
0: I think my biggest issue is the the picture that we're seeing, of course, we're just seeing it, uh, we're not seeing just the chair by itself. We're seeing the chair with uh, Michelle Yeoh's captain in it. Mm-hmm. And she is very small. She, she is a small person. Yep. And so this chair looks like it's ridiculously huge for her, mm. and it just it doesn't it doesn't give her the air of authority that you'd think a a starship captain should have. You know the chair the chair shouldn't outshine the captain. <laughs> Say that <Interesting>. ten times. <laughs> um, and I I feel like this is it almost makes her look like a kid sitting on a throne, you know, and and that's. Okay totally unfair to her character i think because we're led to believe that this character is very strong very intelligent and very uh you know she she's in charge for a reason Mm -hmm. She wasn't thrust into being in charge this isn't a situation where oh everybody else died and so she had to take charge no she's earned being a captain right and this just glancing at this and looking at that you don't get that impression, and I think that's a, a design feel on the chair itself. You know, it's we're nitpicking here. I, I'm I well, you definitely are, <laughs> picking it but you know, when we're looking at the set design, that's the one glaring thing that stands out for me is that the chair just it seems too big for her, and but I can understand somewhat, you know, assuming that she's got you know controls and such in the in the arms of those chairs which you know we've always seen from from all the star treks that there's always controls in the in the captain's chair i can understand that it just seems that they're not as easy to get to as they should be i feel mm-hmm. like those, uh, arm the the arms should be angled in maybe a little bit towards the captain so that mm-hmm. she can see them more easily because the way they are it's just completely flat in order for him to, for her to see what those controls are, she's going to have to look over and down more, take her eyes off of the view screen more to see those controls. If I'm designing a captain's chair with controls in the consoles, I want those angled up towards the face so that they use minimal eye movement to go from the screen to the controls and back again. That's just, that's just me. <laughs>
1: because, right. I mean, if you look at the original series uh, command chair, it's it's pretty, it's pretty flat.
0: Well, it was made out of cardboard boxes, so I I'm <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's going to be a little flat. Yeah. And, and that's why, like, you know, I do hear the complaints. I've seen the complaints about people like, how are they going to go from this to TOS in design? Like, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to make sense. Mm-hmm. You guys, you, do you really want a new Star Trek show in 2017 to have TOS-style sets? Think about that for a second. Think about if that's what you really want. No, nobody wants that. It needs to be visually appealing and as visually appealing as we have the technology for today and as they have the budget for. And they have been given a serious budget and we have really good technology these days. So I am perfectly happy with this looking more futuristic than the timeline that it's supposed to be before. I'm okay with that. That part isn't a problem for me. But it is once again something else that could have been completely avoided had they said it in the future. Mm-hmm. Had they got the future with it, then, hey, all of these are just advancements, and we're good to go. It's it's one of those gray areas where, you know, you're going to have people complain about it one way or the other. Yeah. But, yeah. again, tell me a good story, and I'll forget all about it.
1: Right. And uh, another thing about the people on board, we have two strong female characters in charge, which we've never had before in a series. We've had Captain Janeway in... A uh, very uh, strong female as captain. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had Kira Norris as the commander of Deep, uh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah. But never two females.
0: <laughs> yeah, never, never never, two of them at the same time. What right. are they thinking?
1: <laughs> the first officer here, Burnham, mm-hmm. she is supposed to be transferred to the Discovery.
0: And from what I understand the, the series is supposed to revolve around her.
1: Right, yeah. I she's supposed to the be a character.
0: captain of the Discovery, and she is technically the first officer, not the captain. But the focus of the story is supposed to be on her. Yeah. Which I'm I'm totally cool with. I, I these things, like honestly, when they first yeah, I, I watched the trailer before I really read anything about it. And then that was one of the things I heard people complaining about the most. Like, oh well they gotta they have to be diverse. And I'm like so so what? <laughs> These people exist. <laughs> why? Right. I don't understand why this is a problem for you. I didn't even notice. Like it didn't I'm watching this trailer and I'm just seeing two characters interact and I'm looking for mm-hmm. the story right. and it's not it didn't even occur to me that okay, we have an Asian woman talking to an African American woman. Okay great. Who cares? Like, again, tell me a good story and I don't care who you put in it. And that that goes both ways. I mean, people, you know, talk about whitewashing in Hollywood, which is quite obvious if you look at certain things. But in other times, they try to put it there when it may not actually exist. Mm -hmm. Um, We're complaining about the Iron Fist character in Iron Fist being a white guy. Like, have you read the comics? He is, in fact, a white character. <laughs> this is not them changing the character. This is them keeping the character the same. So I don't understand the the problem here. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, there. I think they found the best people to fill the parts they wanted to fill. And if the if, if it happens to be more diverse than your typical TV show, then fantastic. I right. do what you got to do to tell me a good story. That's all I want.
1: Right. Because we also have aliens on board. I mean, we've had in crew members on Star Trek, but for the most part, we have humans or species that are that look incredibly like human, except <laughs> for a small ridge on their nose.
0: Yeah, uh, right. but a lot of that had to do with, with budget. I budget, mean, right? quite honestly, right. I mean, you look at you look at Klingons in the original series. Mm -hmm. And the reason they don't look drastically different from humans is because they didn't have the budget to make them look drastically different from humans. Right. Um, You know, they just giving Spock pointy ears in TOS was a a big enough budgetary concern for them. that It's like, wait, we have to put him in the makeup chair and put these ears on every time? Do you know what that's going to (laughs) cost? Yeah, so I'm not surprised that as the technology improves and the budget improves... That we see more and more aliens that actually look alien, alien.
1: right? Uh, so we have like a, a few. We have this blue guy who yeah, the blue
0: guy un, unnamed, as far as I'm aware. I, I didn't see anything.
1: Yeah, I haven't found anything name. about his casting,
0: which doesn't necessarily right. bode well for his uh, chances <laughs> in this pilot, <laughs> right? Um, unnamed blue guy, unnamed blue guy might be the new red shirt,
1: right? Kind of reminds me of a bolian i don't know if he's supposed to be bolian because he has uh, some interesting features on his face
0: uh, they look kind of scale like but they obviously don't cover his entire body or even his entire head and it's like he's, he's got mutton chops he's got scale mutton chops is what he's got
1: right and then we have this other character here who looks uh human for the most part but he has some kind of apparatus around his head
0: yeah and from the trailer we don't know if that's something that he has to wear for his station mm-hmm. like is that something you know akin to a headset you might wear if you work in a call center or is it right. pro- something that he needs for a prosthesis for some sort of problem uh, akin to jordy's visor mm-hmm. um right or is it part of him uh you know does his is he not human and his species requires that to exist in human conditions you know kind of like the uh, now who is that race that was going up against wesley and tng on that who's for,
1: also blue uh the ben's benzites
0: yeah that sounds right that who sounds to, pretty right they, yeah. they 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 didn't breathe oxygen they breathe something else so they had to have that apparatus to constantly right. feed whatever they had to breathe um so it yeah, it's left very, very open. We don't know what this guy's deal is and what that's on his head yet.
1: And next we have a science officer, uh Saru, I wanna say his name is uh That would
0: be my guess too. Saru. Saru Saru I don't yeah. know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and he's also going going to be a crew member of the Discovery. So him and the first officer will be sometime within probably the first couple of episodes transferred to the Discovery.
0: Yeah. Which is, uh, he, he seems like a very interesting character. They give him some very, uh, you know, just the, the the couple of lines we get from him in the trailer make him seem like a pretty interesting fella. I'm, I'm curious to see where they go with that. But from what I understand, this is a brand new alien race that we have not seen in any prior Star Treks. This was created whole cloth for Discovery, mm-hmm. which again, is another stumbling block when you, when you create a prequel like this. Now you're creating this brand new uh, species. Why have we not seen this species ever again past this point? Do, do they get wiped out? Do they, you know, are they going to have to explain that away somewhere?
1: Mm.
0: Where, again, if you set this in the future, you can have a brand new race anytime you want to <laughs> because you right. just hey, bump into a new planet. Great. But it is interesting, and uh, I'm curious to see where, where that goes to see if they do try to explain that away mm-hmm. uh, the fact that we've never seen any more of this race ever again or if they just uh, ignore that and move on
1: right because i mean the galaxy is a big place next we have this person that is either partially robotic or wearing some kind of helmet and my immediate guess is that it's some kind of vr helmet but i don't know well, I mean, what do you think that that could be?
0: It's really interesting. It's it, it looks almost like it's too small to just be a helmet on top of a person. So I want to think that maybe it's a, you know, robotic crew member, uh, or at least like maybe a like an assistant, maybe something that that comes with the ship. Um, it's hard to see, but it looks like there's some writing on the, if you look at the side of that helmet,
1: yeah, it looks just, like it
0: says you, you know yeah, USS Shinzu on yeah. it maybe. Yeah. Um, so the question is that just the helmet itself that is on somebody or is that a, a robotic assistant of sorts that is that comes with, with new starships? Very curious to find out about that.
1: Yeah because I mean, if you look you do see like the that uniform collar and uh, not in this picture, but in another screenshot that I've seen online, there is some skin that you can see um, between the collar and whatever this apparatus is. Hmm. Uh, But it's really weird because it has these screens on it. I mean, what could it be unless it's a species that require that can't breathe oxygen and uses this to to live.
0: Yeah, that's definitely another possibility. Yeah, I hadn't really noticed the the uniform there, and I definitely hadn't seen the the screenshot with the with the skin. So yeah, maybe it is somebody wearing something. Maybe very just a, a very small person. It just seems. I mean, might- just from the aspect of you know, if you actually had to have room for electronics in there, uh-huh. it seems like it'd be too small to, <laughs> for for a person's head to actually be in. Right. Uh, <clears throat> But I could very well be wrong on
1: that. It could be the angle. I mean, we don't really get a great look at this. Um, yeah, that's and, and hopefully be explained because I mean you can't just have this person walking around and not like say something about it.
0: Give give us something. What is, what is this guy about?
1: <laughs> so probably my favorite part of any Star Trek series are the uniforms. So what do you? What's your impression of the uniforms so far? Do you like them?
0: I, I do kind of dig them, although the one thing that that always gets me is that they they always seem to get more and more intricate. Every series mm-hmm. we get, they make these uniforms more and more intricate, and I'm just like, that's that's not really how things work, <laughs> you know. Right. They would actually go for more simplicity, and that's that's why I thought the the uniforms in the original series actually were some of the best. As far as, you know, with the exception of, you know, the, the crude ribbon on the sleeves for the uh, rank designation and such. But just the fact that it was just a, a simple trouser and tunic combo, you know, and it was fairly, it was fairly, quote, you know, uniform, so to speak. Right. So it wasn't, you know, crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. But as as we go, we keep getting more and more high tech on the uniforms as well, and I think they—I don't know—I think I think they may be restricting themselves somewhat by having these uniforms be so intricate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're cool looking, I'll give them that. Yeah. Uh, but as far as you know, accepting them as a standard issue type uniform, I, I don't know that I—I I don't know that I like them in that context. Mm-hmm. But. You know what? I originally thought that of the next gen uniforms too. When I first saw them, I thought this is this isn't sustainable. Um, and they did eventually change them a little bit. You know, they went from the jumpsuit to the shirt and pet combo because nobody liked the dang jumpsuits. Right. Uh, but other than that, I, I got used to them and I accepted it. Um, and I think that that will probably be the case on this. It's not something that I pay nearly as much attention to as other things. Um, What I really dig are the Delta Shields. Okay. I really like the way every series has its own take on that iconic design. Mm-hmm. I really dig the Discovery's uh, Delta Shields. Okay, I like the fact that they've gone back to the having the insignia on them to indicate uh, division. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that I, I just like the design of it, the way it's kind of almost like it's cut and like the one piece is just moved down slightly. Yeah. It just, that, right. It's just kind of a cool design. Okay. My favorite is still the uh, the next gen ones. The ones with the oval in the background. Those oh. You, are st- are still my favorites.
1: Um, how about the movie, next gen movie ones?
0: Is that the one where they put the rank bars behind?
1: Oh, uh, no. bars
0: behind for the different ranks?
1: No. That's like the future imperfect.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Um, um, so it's the one like that's in Voyager in Deep Space Nine.
0: Oh, yeah. Those were all right, but I, I still liked the the next-gen better.
1: Okay. I, I it, it's not
0: that I didn't like them. It's just that I liked the next-gen better. But these ones are yeah. really cool. I really dig these ones.
1: Okay. Uh, so, let me just give a rundown of, of the uniform, and then I'll tell you what I don't like. So, they appeared to be multi-layered with a removable jacket. In this screenshot that I have here, we have uh, a crew member with... It seems like she's not wearing the jacket. Uh, we, her, sleeve, uh, her arms are exposed, and uh, there's like this weird white, maybe silver midriff... In the uniform, mm,
0: okay,
1: uh, which seems like she just took off the jacket, and it's just like the shirt that's underneath. So, but they're navy blue in color, which is cool. That kind of harks uh, harkens back to uh, Enterprise with their navy blue jumpsuits, uh, which I dig. The soles of their boots uh, seem to be silver in color, which is uh, initially kind of distracting. I hope I can get over that. The department colors have changed. Uh, So we have command is gold, science is silver, and support is bronze. Now I'm okay with changing up department colors uh, because we do have the Kelvin uniforms, the uniforms that we saw in the USS Kelvin. They had different, another completely different department color system. Mm -hmm. So mixing it up a little bit is okay. I initially had a hard time telling the gold and the bronze apart until I watched it on a bigger screen, because I initially was just watching it on my cell phone when I was uh, on my way back from work. I'm like, oh man, I have to watch this again and again. Uh, So, you know, that's cool. So the piping of this color is over the shoulders, and then down the size of the abdomen and down the leg, uh, pants of the legs. Now, what is interesting, I thought, the coloring on the abdomen, it looks like there's a delta shield pattern. That's interesting. To me, I think that gives a little bit more credibility to the Kelvin universe or the Kelvin timeline uniforms if at some point in the prime timeline they were considering it or had it incorporated in their uniforms. yeah. So the Delta Shields also have the color of uh, the department, which is uh, I think is cool. Uh, and they have the TOS-style department logo on it, like you uh, mentioned. The one thing I don't like about this uniform like the thing I hate the most is the placement of the rank insignia I spent so much time looking for the rank insignia and I couldn't <laughs> find it until I uh, you know saw, watched it on a bigger screen and you know slowed it down and went back because I was like man dude do the does the piping around the arm denote uh, rank that's what I thought originally. Yeah. Until I looked, and everyone had the same amount of like piping. Yeah, but on the Delta Shield, there's there's pips on on the Delta Shield
0: on the on the shield itself. Yeah, they're barely visible, which does not uh, effectively communicate rank. no um, the whole point of of rank insignia is for people to be able to see it from from a distance enough to to right. know. Whether or not they're supposed to salute you as you come up, if you have to wait until you're right up on them to be like, "Oh crap, they're of higher rank. I need to salute you," it doesn't. It doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, despite them looking cheesy, I think Tos again had the best rank insignia simply because it was on the sleeve, mm-hmm. like most you know military rank insignia of most countries in the world right. <laughs> actually are, whether they're on the shoulder or on the sleeve there's somewhere on the arm and in this case you know for TOS they were down at the cuff of the arm which is fine you know the the downside was that it looked cheesy as all get out because it was you know this sparkly like ribbon attached <laughs> to the uniform and it looked ridiculous but right. the idea of having the rank insignia on the sleeve at the cuff makes a lot of sense because you do see that as you're walking up to somebody mm-hmm. yeah. they they keep making it smaller and smaller and smaller which, I mean, I guess, you know, in, in the future you're like, well, less importance is placed on rank and more importance is placed on your accomplishments and your con- contribution or some blah, blah, I don't know. But uh, as far as, you know, this is still technically a military organization, whether or not their, you know, primary purpose is exploration or not, it's still essentially the Navy. You right. know, the Starfleet is still basically the Navy and you have a command structure. And in order for that command structure to work, people have to know who's in command. Right. So, Yeah, I'm with you. I don't like the minimization of the rank insignia. I think there should be something much clearer for people mm-hmm. to see from, from farther away to indicate what rank you are, especially for the higher ranks.
1: Right. So, I mean, the only position that you'd be able to tell uh, with these uniforms, is the captain. Because the captain has additional gold on the tops of her shoulders. So, I mean, that's the only only rank that you'd be able to guess off the t- top of your head. And I'm sure higher rank is the same. I'm sure there's uh, the admirals are more ornate. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure admirals have some sort of crazy uniform that they get to pick there's probably 15 different admiral uniforms they can pick from (laughs) because i think every time we see an admiral they're in a different uniform no matter what show it's on every time we see an admiral they're in a different uniform
1: right especially in the next gen yeah (laughs) there were so many admiral uniforms
0: well they kept trying to figure out what part of the uniform kept making the admirals crazy
1: (laughs) Uh (laughs) yeah that must have been it (laughs)
0: <laughs> because every admiral in next generation went absolutely bonkers. So, um, they, they thought it was a uniform thing. They're like, okay, well maybe it's, uh, maybe there's some lead in the paint. I don't know. We've got to figure this out. Change the uniform again. Right. <laughs> um, definitely with you there. I think the, uh, rank insignia should be much more easy to see next gen. I thought did it. Okay. I wasn't thrilled with, with their rank insignia, but at least it was fairly visible. Right, it was, it was right. something that you could, because it was close to the face. It was mm-hmm. one of those things that if you're looking at somebody, you're gonna see the pips on their collar because it's close enough to the face that it's something you're gonna notice right away. Mm-hmm. This is too far down, you know. If you're looking down there to see the rank, people are gonna be like, "Hello, my eyes are up here." <laughs> um, you right. know, so, right. yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't dig the rank placement.
1: Today, I, I made a little. Uh visual timeline of the Prime Universe uniforms uh, here, just to show uh, the evolution. And the only ones that don't really fit (laughs) are uh, the TOS ones. All the other ones kind of fit together pretty well if you start with Enterprise, then move to the uh, Franklin uniform, then the Kelvin uniform, then Discovery. And then you have Uh, the cage the uniform from the cage which is canon because we also see the uniform in the menagerie Mm -hmm. as well as the second pilot of star trek where no man has gone before but um i like the original series uniform for the most part except for the patch insignia uh that changes from ship to ship It's kind of uh, interesting, I've seen people arguing about how Discovery shouldn't have a Delta Shield because it's the uh, insignia of the Enterprise, but I think it's pretty well established that Starfleet has a Delta Shield logo.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, limitation of the Delta Shield to the Enterprise was an idea that passed by <laughs> Yeah, one of those things that they kind of said, eh, we're, we're going to forget that we did that because it's, it's iconic. It is Star Trek. So mm-hmm. it's not something that they can limit just to the enterprise now. And so I, I understand why some people would be, you know, the, the people who are even more nitpicky than I would be like, well, wow, it's supposed to be, blah, blah, blah. well, that's great and everything, but now it's not. So, right. <laughs> right. I mean, the idea of having ship-specific patches makes sense mm-hmm. in a certain sense. Not in that sort of insignia because, I mean, seriously, how many different logos of that type could you come up with for every single ship in the fleet? I mean, how many right. ships are there? Right. But there are specific patches to, like, you know, submarines and aircraft carriers and these naval ships. They do have their own patch. mm mm-hmm. But it's it's usually bu- built on a formula, and has the name of the the ship and everything. It's not a single icon,
1: right? Just just like the patch from Star Trek Enterprise, right? In uh, these are the voyages. If you consider it canon or not, since it takes place on the holodeck <laughs> on uh, the opposite shoulder, they end up getting a Starfleet patch on there. Yeah, that has a. Delta Shield esque uh, look to it. It's the Starfleet logo, so it's it's clear to me that with that, that's what Starfleet always was.
0: Mm-hmm. And you see it in Next Generation with the with the Delta Shield as the communicator badge. You know, all the other ships have that same communicator badge. It's not just the Enterprise. That's just right. the one we see the most. So it's obviously something that they they toyed with that idea. And then they decided not to, you know, no, this this icon is too iconic at this point to limit. And so I'm okay with that.
1: So we, we see a spacesuit in, in the trailer, which is pretty cool. Uh, what did you think of the spacesuit?
0: I thought that spacesuit went to infinity and beyond.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, it,
0: it's, it's really cool, but it is a bit uh, reminiscent of Buzz Lightyear. But that's okay. I mean, the idea is that it's a a workable spacesuit that somebody could actually, you know, maneuver around in space. In so, um, obviously, you have a very large head bubble so that you have freedom of movement in, in, with your head and uh, a bigger field of vision than you would if you just had a small view screen in front of you. So that's what gives it that look. I think is that big bubble head, right? Uh, but other than that, no. It, it's pretty cool, and it's obviously uh, effective. It obviously does the job. It has all the thrusters and maneuvering uh, ability that it needs to be an effective spacesuit. I think it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and we uh, definitely have a Starfleet insignia on on the front of it, which is very cool. Um, looks like the the same one that we've seen in other in other series, uh, just the plane. Well, not plain, actually, because we have like a little... Kind of like, you know how NASA has that little swoop that goes across? Yeah. Um, this this patch looks like it has that as well,
0: uh, which is very cool, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool-looking design, the the spacesuit itself, and uh, the insignia specifically for that spacesuit. It definitely does look... Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of... It's, it's hard to see in the screenshot we get because it's kind of blurry when you zoom it in that much, but... Essentially, you have the the Delta Shield there, and then you have, like, uh, an orbit pattern around the Delta Shield. Um, And then it looks also, I'm not quite sure if that's just a a symbol on that particular one, or if it's unique to, like, it, it looks like it has the department designation in it as well, which... That I don't necessarily understand for a spacesuit because it would be like, oh, uh, you're a science guy, you get the science spacesuit. Well, no, they're all just spacesuits. Let's just just put one on and go out there. Um, well, I think or I could be symbol? It's hard to see in this picture.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, with the Starfleet command, you're you're talking about that elongated star in the middle, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I think in general, uh, Starfleet has adopted that elongated star as being, like, the command, if the, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think all of them just have that elongated uh, star. I don't, I don't think it's department-specific.
0: Yeah. That would make more sense, because, I mean, unless they came with special tools for certain things, which... When you're dealing with a spacesuit, you, what you want is to keep the person alive while they're out in space. Any other tools should be extra. So right. there shouldn't be, there shouldn't necessarily be department specific spacesuits. Yeah, maybe yeah. task specific spacesuits. If you have something like you have to go out and repair an outer section of hull, and you're going to need certain tools to do so, like they may be included with the spacesuit or something like that, but not necessarily by department.
1: Right. Um... Next, we have like a really, really interesting alien uh, that shows in the trailer.
0: Yeah, this guy is ugly.
1: Very, very <laughs> ugly. Um, I'm assuming it's our that, aesthetic,
0: obviously. Yeah. Very Doing, handsome fellow in his home.
1: <laughs> that it's on that planet that uh, the trailer opens up at. Because mm-hmm. it, it looks like a desert around it, like coloring. Uh, we have a bright... Sun uh hitting him on the head, I think or this thing on the head, I don't know, gender on this thing.
0: It uh, looks to me like this is some sort of hat or like hood or something like that. Like, I don't think that on his head is part of his head. I think that's yeah. clothing of some sort.
1: Possibly. I, I mean it did it does look like it has some kind of writing maybe on it. Yeah. And it, it did retract. That's or, their
0: version of Nike swoosh. That's what that. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> the word, um, it actually says just do it. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's it's very interesting and kind of refreshing to see, like this quality alien in in a TV series. I mean, it's it feels like a movie.
0: Yeah, that's really the sense that you get from this trailer is that we're getting something pretty damn epic, something that's going to have the scope. Of the movies as far as the, the quality and everything is concerned, but be able to tell even a bigger story because they're being given 15 episodes, which could be over an hour long each mm-hmm. to tell the story. Right. So, yeah, I think the the fact that we're getting this kind of quality in just the visual effects is hopefully a good omen to the storytelling involved as well. hmm there was some talk, I did see some, some chatter online about potentially the planet that they're on in the opening being Vulcan, since Vulcans do play a prominent role in this trailer as well. However, that would uh, make things confusing for this particular alien, because then what is this? <laughs> what, what is this guy doing here? Right. Um, because he definitely has the look of a native, wherever they are yeah you know, he doesn't yeah. look like he came there. He looks like he lives there., You know it's just the impression that you get based on the the outfit. This doesn't look like the outfit that you travel to a different planet in. this looks like something you a guy came out of his home in. Right. So it makes me question that theory that Vulcan is where they are at the beginning, unless, of course, this is a different planet from the opening of the trailer altogether. right which know.
1: which could very well be. It could even be from a different episode. <laughs> uh, we have no idea um, but it's a
0: very interesting looking uh, alien it's a very very uh, alien looking like you said as, as opposed to you know just a person with an extra ridge on their nose or anything like that this is definite definitely speaks to the budget that they have going on here
1: Right. And speaking of ridges, uh, the Klingons <laughs> play a predominant role in the trailer, and they're sporting a, quite a different look.
0: Seems like they've just gotten to the point where they're like, you know what? Let's just make Klingons look different every time we do them. Why That's, not?
1: <laughs> That's pretty much...
0: We've, we've done it before. We, we've made the Klingons look different every time we've shown them. Let's just go with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, these Klingons, you know, besides the fact that they have head ridges, that is the only... Uh, thing that makes them recognizable as Klingons to anybody who's watched any Star Treks before. Right.
1: Now, there are rumors floating around that these Klingons are ancient Klingons, and uh, that explains their appearance. Um, further, the rumor suggests that these are followers of Molar, the hated tyrant who ruled Quonos during the 9th century and de- who was defeated by Kaelas. All right. Um, so we also have a, a, a sarcophagus floating around the ship here,
0: as one does. Uh,
1: now, uh,
0: I try to make sure to have at least two sarcophaguses in each of my spaceships.
1: Now, I was uh, thinking to myself, man, when have there, when has there ever been any uh, mention of Klingons uh, doing anything like this? As it turns out. There's evidence to support Klingon mummification. In Star Trek IV, Spock recognizes a Klingon mummification glyph during the memory test.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: um, further, in the Next Generation episode, Firstborn, mm-hmm. alt- entrepreneurs on uh, the planet claim to have Molar's mummified head on display for a fee.
0: All right. Yeah, it definitely doesn't make sense in our current uh, understanding of Klingon culture, because, at least my current understanding of Klingon culture, because, again, I was raised on TNG, so my Klingons are Wharf and (laughs) that bit. And they were very adamant about, once they're dead, that's nothing but a shell. We don't right. care about the body. Do with it as you will. We take anything off it that's of value—any weapons, any bits and pieces that we can use. Do with it. Do with the rest as you will. We don't care. It's literally just a shell at this point. Mm-hmm. So, the idea that at some point in their history they revered the death enough, revered the dead enough to mummify their remains, um, definitely shows a much, much different society right. than than the Klingons that we've seen which i mean that happens things shift over time so it's very possible that these you know that that does lend credence to this theory that these are quote unquote ancient klingons or at least klingons who are following an ancient tradition mm-hmm. uh, that that came before the current mindset of the body means nothing after death where they're like no 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 the body definitely means something we need to keep this and in fact preserve it and uh you know worship it and whatnot
1: right and um the the reason uh, another reason uh why the cleanons look this way at least according to this rumor or, th- or fan theory or what have you they haven't been affected by that virus that made their heads smooth <laughs>
0: because uh, <yes>. they've been
1: <laughs> isolated <laughs>
0: It's it's amusing to me how what essentially was nothing more than a throwaway line in order to explain the difference in visual effects budget <laughs> used in a practically throwaway episode of Deep Space Nine.
1: Oh, it's a great episode, it, it was a great
0: episode. No, 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 don't get me I don't mean throwaway as in, like, I don't wish it existed. I mean throwaway as in it doesn't do anything to progress the storyline of Deep right. Space Nine. Right. you can skip it in that arc and not miss anything because it's it's a throwaway episode but it's a great episode, it's fun uh, but basically it's a throwaway line just used to exp- explain away this one thing that people had problems with that really just came down to budget it really came down to budget they could not make Klingons look that different from humans in TOS because they didn't have the money to do that kind of makeup in next gen they did so they did and that's that's really all it came down to. And so they, they make this one little line to explain this away, and then it just becomes this big thing where then now they have to explain it fully. Now they have to go into all this detail. Now they have to – like whoever – I bet you whoever had to write all the stuff after that wanted to slap the person who wrote that line in that space <laughs> 9 episode. Right. Like, did you really have to? Could you just have not acknowledged it at all, just pretended it didn't exist like everybody else has been doing? No, you had but, to say but something. But how could
1: you? How How could you ignore it with warf <laughs> right there?
0: Uh, I, I don't know. But at the same yeah. time, it's like, it's one of those things that, you know, as you progress in time, once again, this is the danger you run into by going backwards. When you're making movies or films or TVs or whatever you're doing, when you go backwards with new technology to make them, you run the risk of making them not look like they fit into the timeline you're trying to fit them into. And so you ha- end up having to, to make these explanations or you have to just ignore it. And you hope that your storytelling over overrides people's curiosity about that particular aspect.
1: Right fascinating theories out there for the Klingons and uh, I kind of hope that some of it is true uh, not necessarily the part about you know they have they don't have smooth heads because they they were away for so long but this uh, molars uh, mummification would be uh, quite interesting I think
0: yeah it could definitely be interesting to see another side of uh, Klingon history. And that's what I hope we're we're gonna get a little bit more into the the background of that. Um, would definitely be interesting mm,
1: definitely. and finally, uh one last thing from the trailer that I want to touch on is we have Spock's dad in this in the TV show, and uh, we hear him talking a few times. We see him in in quote unquote real life, and we also see him as a hologram. and it seems as though. Burnham grew up on Vulcan, and Sarek seems to be a teacher or a mentor to her.
0: Yeah, you get that impression, and it's curious to think of ways that this could have happened. From what I understand from the rumors that I've read, uh, Amanda Grayson is supposed to play some sort of role in this series. Um, Whether she's just mentioned or whether it's an actual character that we get to see. The the prevailing rumor that I've heard seems to be more like a friend of the family, you know, like a a daughter of Amanda Grayson's closest friend or something like that, who right. may have spent some time on Vulcan and caught the attention of Sarek.
1: A complex story here from all angles. It's very interesting that we have multiple ships that are going to be involved um, in the series because usually you you have one ship and every so often you have. Uh, have another ship come around, uh, but this seems like we're going to have at least two ships for the majority of the of the series
0: run. Well, it it has that potential look, or at the same time, you could look at it and say, "Is the Shinzu long for this world?"
1: Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, that's true. That's, too. that's
0: the other thing is, are we going to see this thing get destroyed? Um, they, they leave it open to either possibility because, you know, at the beginning of the trailer, they're obviously talking about this character taking her own command. Right. She served as first officer for uh, this other captain for so long, but she's ready to take her own command. Yet we know from the, the storylines that we've been told, she doesn't get her own command. She's not captain of the Discovery. She's first officer of the Discovery. Jason Isaac is going to be playing the captain whose character... Isn't really. I haven't seen a whole lot flushing him out, and from what I understand, that's on purpose. They're they're not going to be focusing on him. His part is going to be very small, in comparison. So, and that's fine. You know, it's it's interesting to see the story from a point of view of somebody other than just the captain. But um, so that leads me to believe that she ends up being transferred over to the Discovery not because she's getting her own command, but because maybe something happened to this other ship so we'll see how long there's actually two ships active <laughs> right. right but uh, that, that does, it would be interesting i would like to see some back and forth and obviously um i would i would hope that michelle yao gets a chance to to be in more than hope she's in more than just the pilot <laughs> because she's a great actress and i, I love right. seeing it. so uh hopefully she gets to hang around some more but from what i understand the primary driving force behind the show is this this other character who's going to be the first officer of the discovery
1: so i guess we'll we'll see and uh so far i like what i'm seeing
0: me too absolutely
1: yeah all right so why don't we move over to our subspace channels so let's uh open hailing frequencies Uh, So, this week's question, what do you want to see included in Star Trek Discovery? Uh, So, here are a few of the answers that we have selected from the various social media networks we've posted this question to. Thanks to everyone who had answered, and if we didn't get to read your answer this time, try again on our next subspace channel's question. So, first up, we have Jerome Connor, who says, Be closer to the original series. Talk about the problems facing us today in a science fiction
0: environment. All right. Yeah, I could definitely uh, see that. Um, again, it always, I, I keep harping on this. I know I sound like a broken record, but tell me a good story. And if it happens right. to be uh, politically or socially uh, relevant, that's great too. But tell me a good story, and we're good. Definitely. Next up, we have uh, Anthony Lamberti who said Klingons. I love the Klingons. Such a great race, powerful and honorable. We um, definitely, definitely looks like we're getting some Klingon action. I mean, just from the trailer already, we know that we're getting some Klingons. So uh, you're definitely getting your wish, Anthony.
1: Yeah, totally. And yeah, who doesn't like Klingons, right? Next we have Kathy Mullins, who says Klingons and the Federation working together against common enemies.
0: Yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that
1: happening uh at least not at first. Uh, we're
0: we're quite a bit away from the Kedamar accords. I do not think <laughs> that we're going to see too much uh we might see individual Klingons working with individual Federation members. Right. Perhaps, you know, we might see the 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 cause for some some individuals to team up and and do something, but as far as the Races and societies in total. I don't think that we're going to see that in this series. Right. It wouldn't be bad. I just don't think it's going to happen with the storyline they're going with. Yeah. Looks like we're moving over to uh, the Google, the Google Pluses.
1: Yeah, they're they're uh, always good over there.
0: Yeah. Uh, We have Mark Herndon, who said, Romulans, Romulans, Romulans. And then uh, some sort of... Weird animal emoji <laughs> face. Um, I'm not quite sure what that is. Is that a fox? I don't know what that is. Um, what
1: does the fox say? Romulans. Now, uh,
0: <laughs> now, Mark, we have no indication whatsoever from the trailer that there's going to be Romulans. However, you may be in luck because I have read that the showrunner has stated that this this whole series arc that we're seeing in the first season is supposed to be tied in to an event that was named... But never explored in the original series. And that's 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 just what he said now. I, I have no idea what he means by that. But another thing that he said was that his favorite TOS episode was Balance of Terror. Mm. And that Balance of Terror does play a critical part in the in the crux of this season's arc. So it is very possible, Mark, that you are going to get your wish and there are going to be some Romulan action going on in Star Trek Discovery Season 1. We will see if that, if that holds true, but you may just get what you're asking for there.
1: Personally, I, I don't want to see Romulans only because we're kind of not supposed to see Romulans. Uh, we're not supposed uh...
0: to see them. Yeah, not until Balance of Terror. Balance of Terror is supposed to be the first time we ever actually saw them. Um, because of the whole, oh, we didn't have visual communications back then during the uh, Romulan Earth War. We had no idea what they looked like. So, yeah, the chances that... But that doesn't mean that we, as viewers, can't see them. That just means that <laughs> members of the Federation can't see them.
1: Right. Yeah, I still, I, I don't know. I, I think they were supposed to be in isolation, isolation for a while. And uh, the first... Meeting in like a hundred years was balance of terror, yeah uh, but you know uh history has been rewritten before in
0: Star <laughs> trek, yeah, like i said we we have absolutely no indication from the trailer that that is the case, however, like i said the the interviews that have done before and that episode, Balance of Terror, has been specifically noted. As something that they were going to be, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to find the exact quote and the way it was put because mm-hmm. it was very. It made me look at it and go, "Ooh, really? So where did that go? I was just reading that a little earlier." And okay, he said F- uh, Fuller elaborated that the original series episode "Balance of Terror," one of his favorites, would be a touchstone for the season's story arc. That was that was the quote that was pulled. Okay. So. A touchstone, in quotes, <laughs> for but this. What, what does that story? really mean? Exactly. We have no yep. idea. So, right. like I said, we have no indication whatsoever that we're going to see any Romulan action from uh, the trailer, but who knows? Who knows what we'll see.
1: Right. Next, we have Michael Orff, who says, Endorians for sure, at the point in the timeline they are taking us to. You would have to think that Endoria is still a prominent member of the Federation. I'm guessing Romulans are taking a step back because in TNG they point out they haven't been heard from the Romulans. St- oh, okay, haven't heard from the Romulan Star Empire in a very long time. Yeah, but that doesn't really matter since we have. Uh, <laughs> have uh, Balance of Terror, a couple of other Romulan episodes, plus uh, the movies. Uh, But that's okay. So, I expect to see some different villain races. Maybe some Gorn. I think it's too early for Gorn. Or other races that were only possible in the animated series at the time. That would be cool, seeing some animated aliens. Yeah. Uh, Well... Sorry, some aliens that were featured in the animated series.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I knew where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: there could uh, be some bad blank Gorn with today's makeup technology.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As as we were talking about, the production value is so much better now that, yeah, you can do with practical effects, makeup, and combination of CGI things that were only possible in animation previously. So. It's very possible. I might have to go back and uh, re-watch some of the animated series, which I haven't – I've never watched fully, and I've only seen probably maybe four or five episodes total.
1: Well, there's only like Uh, four or five good ones,
0: so. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt that I even saw all four or five good ones. I think I just saw four or five random ones. (laughs) But um, it might be interesting to go back to that and take a look and see if they decide to pull anything from that. Because that, uh, I mean, it's definitely a source. It's definitely something that they could uh, they could pull from.
1: Right. And we have seen the Gorn in a newer uh, form. In the episode from Enterprise, uh, in America Darkly, we do see a Gorn from the Mirror Universe, but it's completely CGI.
0: Ah. <laughs> Which so. I'm sure holds up real well now.
1: <laughs> I haven't uh. watched it in a while, so... <laughs>
0: Yeah, I haven't watched Enterprise in a while at all, so especially not that episode. All right, next up we have another Michael, uh, Michael Freeman, who said, I would love to see them stick closely to the prime timeline, including the look of all ships and alien species. They can modernize the overall look, but it should still be more or less consistent with the originals presented by the previous TV series. Ships should have modern takes on original designs, maybe use the structural forms from the original ships of the same prime timeline era, but maybe bring out more detail to make it more up-to-date. Alien Species should have the same overall facial body structure features, but maybe make the uniforms look slightly less 60s to 80s. I've got bad news for you, Michael. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thinking that this answer was posted prior to the release of the trailer.
1: Yeah, yeah it was.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think they're doing that. Ultimately, I think, like like we said, they're using their budget. They're using Mm -hmm. the fact that they have money to make this look like a modern TV series. Right. It's not going to look like the old series, and I'm okay with that. I, you know, yeah, you could question it, but ultimately, I'm okay with it because I think about the fact: like, would I really want them to make a show that looked like the '60s TOS? No, I I would not want. I would. It would take me out of the story to see those kind of sets and that kind of uniform today.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: i would be like where'd their money go
1: (laughs) (laughs) see the thing is i kind of agree really wish it was a little bit more like the cage in in the design but definitely more modern modern than that a different uniform i definitely can't do a show today that looks like the original series
0: But you'd be left out of town yeah. unless unless your intention was to make a spoof of 60s TV shows. But even then, you would still think to make it look a little more modern or you'd be like, what's going on here? Right. But uh, no, I completely understand the, the sentiment. And like I even said, I think there are going to be people who are confused because they're saying that this is prime timeline, but they're making it look very much like the new movies, the visual style. Just the the way the cameras are are being used, um the 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 camera angles as well as the, you know, lens flares of course. Yeah, um, definitely. But... <laughs>
1: it definitely saw some lens flares there.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can say that of course the, the Kelvin existed in the prime universe for, you know, about five minutes and then the rest of the movie was, was Kelvin timeline, but You're gonna. There are people who are gonna be looking at this and be like, "Wait, so this isn't going with the movie? Wait, the movies are different than what? I don't understand. This looks just like the movies. So why is it different? I think them deciding to go prime timeline, they should have made a bigger effort to make it look more prime timeline. But the question, you know, you could ask me. I, I can say sit here and say that. I can sit here and say that's what they should have done. Yeah. But if you ask me how to do that. I'd have been, I'd, I'd be like, well, I, I don't know, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I couldn't tell you right. how to make it look modern, but also like it belongs in the prime timeline. I couldn't do it, so I can't complain too much about them not doing it.
1: Yeah, it's only only so much you can do. The '60s was a long time ago, <laughs> so I, I guess we'll just move on <laughs> uh, and go to yet another Michael. Michael Smith, who says Everybody. on Google, <laughs> uh, "I just saw the trailer. I got everything I wanted to see in that trailer. What I wanted more than anything else is the ex expectation of great storytelling, which you've been saying time and time again, Eric. Uh, this trailer gave me in uh, gave me that in spades." An exceptional visual production. Besides,
0: Michael Smith, you're my new best friend. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly that. That's exactly what I'm saying. It looks to looks to me like they're going to be telling me a good story, and they're doing it visually in a way that's going to be absolutely stunning. So yeah, I, I have high hopes.
1: As do I. Thank you to everyone who answered. Really appreciated. Finally, to round out the show.
0: Once again, it's time to ask, do you know what puts my quantum state
1: into flux? Obviously going to stick with Discovery. Something that we've mentioned in the episode already. But we literally know nothing about the story. And let alone what the Klingons, uh, what their role is in the story. So let's, let's just give them a chance. Because uh, we have people looking at these klingons saying, you know, what are these? These aren't klingons. And uh I, I made a, a an image and posted it on social media. Um <laughs> uh, where uh, the episode that Eric uh had mentioned uh, uh Trials and Tribulations uh from uh Deep Space 9 where we have some crew members of uh uh the D of DS9 uh which included Julian Boucher and Worf uh and in that episode they they're at the bar at at K7 I believe it's K7 space station there and uh these groups of uh klingons are are there at the bar and uh Julian goes are those klingons and then I have uh, spliced in here a picture of the new Klingons. (laughs) And then in the final panel here, we have Worf who says in the episode, and I think was, uh, you know, it works here. They are Klingons and it is a long story. (laughs) Uh, so I hope that discovery will have a long story and, uh, We'll have many more seasons uh, beyond the the 15 episode season that we have coming up this year. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, absolutely. I, I've read that they are planning for each subsequent season to usually only be around 10 episodes, but again, they're on that non-restricted timescale, so it could be it could be 10 episodes, but that could be 13 or 14 hours of content. You know, depending on how they decide to tell the story. So I'm okay with that because, you know, when you have these really long seasons, I mean, you go back and look at even even my personal favorite next gen. You have these 23 episode seasons. There's always a couple of filler episodes in there. (laughs) Sometimes more than a couple. (laughs) Um, You know, what we don't want from Discovery is any shades of gray. (laughs) We, we never want that to happen again. So I'm fine with them having a shortened season if they tell if they're able to tell a complete story in a in a shorter amount of time or in a shorter number of episodes. I should say, by extending the amount of time that they spend on each episode, then, then I'm okay with that. But yeah, right. I am definitely looking forward to this and and i would extend your your whole quantum state and flux not just about the klingons but about the the show in general about everybody who's already moaning and complaining about everything they can possibly moan and complain about mm-hmm. it's like yeah I, I i read you i get you because i'm a fan and i want things to be exactly right i want this to be great but instead of moaning about what it might be let's Give them a chance to show us what it is, and then if it ends up sucking, then you know we'll get on the show and we'll be like, "Hey, this sucks. What was this?" <laughs> you know. Right. Right. <laughs> but let's give it a chance. Let's let's see it before we condemn it, and you know that goes for the Klingons and for the entirety of the show in general. I think.
1: Yeah. No. I, I uh, definitely agree with you, and yeah, you know, I think every Star Trek fan should get behind this because. We wanted Star Trek on TV, and this is as close as we're gonna get. Yeah. So just grin and bear it, and uh, I think you'll find that you enjoy it once it gets released
0: Yeah, I, I would say, you know you're getting new content. you're getting new stuff. Why complain about it before it's here? You know, at right. least let it get here before you complain about it Now I can understand about complaining about the timeline as far as like, hey, it was supposed to be here already. And I can understand that as well, but at the same time, do you want them to rush it out and get it to you quicker, or do you want them to do the job right, and you have to wait a little bit longer? Personally, I vote the latter. I'll give them the time they need to get it right and hopefully produce a fantastic show for us. I'm hoping that we get to come back on here on the show and talk about just how amazing this show is. That's what I, that's my hope, Right, and I'm willing to give them the chance to, to, to prove me right or wrong.
1: That uh, pretty much... Uh, sums up our, our feelings on discovery. Uh, so Eric, thank you once again for joining me.
0: Uh, Thanks for having me.
1: We love to, uh, have you here and hope to have you back soon. If we wanted to find you elsewhere in the universe, where would we go about doing that?
0: Uh, Well, you can, uh, follow me on the Twitters. I am at Eric J. Dewey. Um, I'm also available, uh, through our other, uh, show pages you can find us through the main four-eyed radio twitter at uh, the sasquatch net um, also like i said with previously my other show the Crichtoncast, cast we're at Crichtoncast. cast you can always reach me there as well and uh, yeah just uh hit me up twitter is a really easy way to get a hold of me uh, but if you prefer email you can email me uh, eric at four-eyed radio.com and i will uh, talk to you there
1: Very good, and if you need to get in touch with me, um, feel free to contact me uh, on Twitter at Nova Charter, and you could email me, I suppose, if you wanted to, uh, Aaron at novacharter.com. That's pretty uh, simple, Uh, and you can also, you know, contact me or Eric or Eric Berry. Using the Starfleet Escape Podcast Twitter at SF Escape Pod. Uh, so, Eric, thanks again for joining me, and uh, until next time, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where you can catch a new episode every other Monday. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com follow us on twitter at sfescapepod like us on facebook.com/sfescapepod and add us to your circle on google plus by going to google.sfescapepod.com